Hello and welcome to the FinTech Magazine podcast. Thank you for joining us. My name is Will. I'm the editor for the magazine. And today we are joined by a very special guest. It's Mr. Gab Colombro, the founder and executive director of Finos. Gab, it's good to have you with us. Will, thank you for having me here. I'm very excited to chat with you. Absolute pleasure. Um, so for an introduction, Gab, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners and describe your career up until the founding of Finos? Absolutely. Um, so it's a it's a long story short. It's a pretty pretty long career in open source. Um, mm. I like to say I've been born and raised in open source. Um, <laughs> I actually did complete my master thesis uh, about fifteen years ago already on open source technologies. That was um, you know in Italy, uh, as you can hear. I, I'm based in California, but uh, probably that Italian part of California. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I come from a background in technology. My, mas my master in computer engineering, as I said, was really about uh, already transforming a big Italian company into an open source first company. And then, so I really lived through, you know, open source uh, uh, going from being like a niche, almost, almost like a hippie way of building software uh, <laughs> to really become what I think today is so a mainstream way of, of, you know, not only building technology, but, you know, in many cases, a business model that has proven to be very successful. Um, and, you know, after my, my, my master's, I um, had the luck to, you know, travel across Europe and the United States between you know, the Netherlands, uh, um, East Coast, Atlanta, Georgia, and now, uh, uh, you know, in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, um, very much covering, uh, uh, you know, a, a host of different roles, um, both in open source communities. I am an Apache committer, now uh, retired, uh, uh, and also in commercial open source companies. Um, I spent most of my career in a company called Belfresco, uh, which is an open source content management system, um, which really exposed me to, you know, a whole lot of the sort of enterprise mentality and how open source can be helpful there. Um, so if you fast forward then to 2016, uh, I had the lack of of, you know, and the honor of being called to run what was called at the time the Symphony Software Foundation uh, was created by Goldman Sachs and about 12 bold bracket banks um, to really foster a community around the Symphony Software. Uh, and that was really the, um, you know, the realization that, that drove the realization, having the honor to sit on a board with so many influential leaders in financial, the financial services industry, we quickly realized that there was a, a much bigger opportunity for us to collaborate as a community um, to improve software in this industry. And that's where in 2018, we created Finos, the FinTech Open Source Foundation. It's, uh, it's interesting you're speaking a lot about um, binding community with technology. Um, mm -hmm. What's your philosophy with that regard? How is it best done? Well, it's uh, community is sometimes uh, an overloaded word. Um, you know, when, uh, you know, in the end, any software that has, you know, the so-called network effect is very much dependent on the creation of, a, you know, an engaged community. Uh, but when you come from an open source background, community has a very specific, a very 
um, you know, I would say well-defined uh, definition. Um, from where I come from in my world, uh, you know, of course, the community is, uh, uh, you know, a very motivated, oftentimes cohesive, uh, typically largely distributed and, and remote, um, you know, set of people who cares about the technology that you're building, who will go the extra mile and sometimes work in their own time to further a technology that is actually then available for everyone. So it is, you know, um, in the last few years, I would say in the last decade, uh, uh, I think the technology industry, you know, very much in, in every vertical has realized, you know, the commercial power of open source, but, you know, going back 50 years where the sort of open source movement started, there really is a lot of, uh, you know, culture uh, uh, aspects that an open source community needs to have, I think, quite differently from, uh, you know, for example, your customers or your, you know, the community of your partners, your ecosystem. And so, you know, when it comes to marrying these to financial services, uh, you know, that has been for sure the biggest challenge, you know, that we experienced and faced in the first few years, um, you know, the, the financial services industry is a very generally conservative, uh, uh, highly siloed, uh, uh, and heavily regulated industry. And so bringing this idea of a truly open, transparent community where conversations would happen in the open and just be you know, available in the internet uh, was almost unheard of five years ago. And so, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that we think we are now past the cusp and we think financial institutions, you know, have understood what it means to actually create uh, a lively community. One thing I want to say to just wrap on this one, uh, it's interesting that when you, when you hear about open source and you talk about open source, especially, you know, from someone that hasn't necessarily participated to it, um, you often hear, well, you know, the community is going to build this for us. Um, <laughs> and funny enough, there's no such mythological creature like the community. Uh, it, it's not enough to just throw, a, you know, a project on GitHub uh, and expect the community to pick it up that there's no mm -hmm. such thing and that's where you know foundations like ours help uh, projects to be successful and actually do build a community so i can tell that phenos was clearly a passion project but uh yes. i was also very interested to hear that you uh, at a first glance you considered finance to be quite siloed conservative which makes me wonder what was it about it which kind of drew you in in the first place that's a really good question, and uh, one that I'm still trying to answer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's it's a really good question because if you look at my my background, well, it's only it's been only five years, really, since 2016 that I work uh, in the financial services and fintech industry. And sure, I did have, you know, working in my sort of seven years at Alfresco, you know. Uh, as a as an enterprise content management system, our main clients were always governments and and you know financial institutions. You know have pretty strict you know document and content retention policies, and so I certainly had sort of that that exposure. Um, 
but it's I guess it's never been a passion of mine. I, I mm. um, probably didn't do a good job until ten years ago, even managing my own personal finance. I gotta say, but uh, <laughs> uh, 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 but look, I'll try to answer here with an analogy. Um, you know, when you work in open source. Um, you know, it's all about upstream and downstream. I've actually heard the really nice uh, episode of your of your podcast with Tim Hooley from Red Hat talking about, mm. uh, you know, the, the the impact on on upstream and downstream projects that contributors should have. And really, when you work in the open, a small change in a project can, you know, have massive impacts downstream. Um, whether it's other projects, products, or even production instances. And that means in good and bad. Um, you know, if you add a small security feature to an open source sort of ubiquitous software like Linux or Kubernetes, you might actually be preempting thousands of exploits out there. Uh, on the other hand, if you, you know, uh, throw in a pretty careless change, you might throw down an entire ecosystem, like we've seen, uh, you know, with the infamous example of, of LeftPod on the Node ecosystem. And so I bring in this metaphor to say, I think the two reasons why I wanted, and, and I am so passionate now about changing this industry is that one, there is a huge opportunity for changing and improving the industry. Mm. And two, the even smaller changes, because we know it's going to take time. We know it's going to be an incremental process. But even small changes have, you know, uh, uh, a pretty broad blast radius, have the, the magnitude, uh, uh, you know, the magnitude of the potential downstream effects that it can have are huge. Um, you know, we are all downstream users of the financial services system. Um, it has undeniably, you know, uh, uh, it's a vehicle for creating opportunities. It's a vehicle for financial inclusion. And so, um, you know, we think that there is a, and I personally think that there's a huge opportunity for improvement. And we think this opportunity for improvement can have massive impacts, you know, to us, the, the sort of average Joes uh, using the financial services system. And so that's really, you know, where I'm coming from. Much much opportunity and a lot of potential uh, uh, impact. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And of course, like those little tiny changes end up kind of contributing to the large overall changes in the industry. So yes. this is very important. Um, yes. But as a company and as a leader, how do you make sure that the advice that you're giving is scaled appropriately, depending on the solution that you need to provide? It's an interesting question because, you know, as a well, first off, we are, you know, a non-profit foundation, um, mm. you know, a membership organization, um, recently joined the Linux Foundation. You might have seen the news, so we're part of, you know, really the biggest software shared investment that exists in the world. Um, and, you know, so it's slightly, you know, it, it's slightly different than, you know, when you're actually... Uh, um, you know, I think the first thing to point out is that this is slightly different than, you know, working for a proprietary company or a commercial company delivering a service or a product to your customers. Our day-by-day -day job is, to your point, advice, um, is really aligning forces and aligning drivers between 
really a pretty diverse community, definitely from a standpoint of, uh, uh, you know, type of companies that are represented. And so, you know, uh, over the years, we had to adjust the way we uh, run the foundation, first of all, to cater for large financial institutions. And, mm. you know, when you're talking about open source and you're talking about uh, something so big, we think so fundamental to the digital transformation. Well, yes, you need to really be able to, uh, uh, you know, work at different levels within these financial institutions. And I don't mean just the hierarchy, but when we think about, you know, what does it take for a financial institution to actually collaborate in the open? Well, there is a strategy component. Of course, we've had exposure to uh, um, you know, C-levels that sit on our board and are, you know, big proponents of our approach. Uh, but you need to have, and I think that's where we have the biggest ties, with, you, need, you need to be a friend of the compliance departments and the, the risk departments in those organizations, fully knowing and playing the culture card. Uh, the mm. third sort of pillar there is all of these organizations are going through change and are going through, uh, you know, a talent crunch. And so uh, uh, open source is a huge vehicle to attract new talent. And, and that has, you know, given us a lot of victories in terms of moving these organizations forward. So this is where we work with large organizations. But as, as you were saying, uh, you know, our community is, is a level playing field, not just for big financial institutions, but we have several fintechs in the foundation and we have several, you know, uh, a big tech and, and just open source uh, technology companies. And so that requires a pretty different approach. Um, we think in fact, you know, while commercial open source companies are very much familiar with not only how you behave in a community, what's the community way of participating to projects, uh, but also how you monetize that. Um, you know, with fintechs, um, I have to say that there's still a lot of work for us to be done there in terms of, you know, challenger banks and fintechs really leveraging open source for their strategic goals. And so, you know, back to your original question, uh, we live in a very interesting uh, uh, um, community whereby we certainly have to adapt and change how we go about, uh, you know, aligning those forces, aligning those drivers for people to contribute in the open, because it's certainly very different, you know, when you're dealing with a large financial institutions and when you're dealing with the fintech. Uh, but ultimately, I think the beauty of it is that we are able to bring them all together, collaborating on the same repository. And that's what provides that sort of inherent scalability that you're talking about. Regardless of who you are, uh, what is your relationship with the foundation? Anyone is welcome to participate and contribute to our projects and follows the same meritocratic governance. That's where we are able, with a relatively small team, we're about 10 people, uh, to manage over 100 projects and make sure that you know, we distribute uh, governance and we align these different parties. Well, that inclusivity is something which I'm very glad to hear, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will agree. Because I'm not sure about you, but what I've noticed is that the COVID-19 pandemic has illustrated very clearly that small business is so fundamental to um, to the integrity of so many economies globally. 
And yes. I'd like to know what advice uh, you're specifically giving them. Um, I don't know if you have any use cases you'd feel at liberty to discuss or just generalized comments. Well, I think again, it's uh, um, it's it, it, it's been interesting because you know this has been a slightly different crisis than uh, quite different crisis than what we ever seen before. I think particularly, you know, a lot of the innovation that we're seeing in the industry has, you know, indirectly at least being, uh, uh, you know, it's been indirectly consequence of what we've seen in 2008. Um, but this has been a very, very different crisis. This is not a Wall Street crisis. This has been a Main Street crisis to your point. And so on one hand, yes, it's been, you know, it's been harder, if you want, to grasp uh, attention, as I think everyone uh, is feeling right now. Um, you know, being top of mind has been has been harder in the last few months um, when it comes to financial large financial institutions. But it has actually provided an acceleration for them towards you know being able to work from home uh, um, and a fully digital infrastructure uh, that is remote. Uh, that has actually made our life much easier as as hosts of an open source community because you know finally uh, many of these large financial institutions are much more comfortable with working with cloud tools and you know best of breed open source development infrastructure which has been you know candidly one of the struggles for us in the last few years mm. or at least early in the days in the foundation when it comes to the the smaller fintechs that's where we uh, of course have seen you know. Uh, I would say more of an impact. Um, my advice, though, remains the same here. Um, this is, um, you know, it, it, it is really hard to say anything positive about this pandemic that we went through. Mm. Um, but if there is a silver lining, is that, you know, both large and small businesses have been put so much under pressure that I think this has once more uh, called for a deep reevaluation of what, you know, what is your business model? What is the value that you deliver to your customers? Again, we, we are moving more and more to a, you know, fully software as a service mode, uh, whereby, you know, the value is not necessarily the software that you're delivering, is the service and the, you know, uh, customer experience that you're providing to your customers. And so I think actually COVID-19 has been uh, another important reckoning moment uh, for many of these both fintechs and certainly more large financial institutions to say, hey, so how much of this you know, massive technology stack that I have is actually differentiating? And if it's not, you know, how can I mutualize that cost? And so in a way, I think, Again, open source will come out even stronger on the other side of this pandemic. And so back to, you know, to your question, my advice is truly to, you know, use, you know, they say never waste a good crisis. Um, <laughs> you know, use this moment to truly reevaluate, uh, um, you know, what is your business about and what part of your technology stack are actually delivering value. Anything beyond that 
look at open source and cloud to mutualize that and to really stand on the shoulder of giants. So if I can um, perhaps put it another way, following on from the answer you've just given, do you see open source as being fundamentally evolutionary for the industry or revolutionary? Will it actually change things or will it merely improve what already is? It's an amazing question. <laughs> um, uh, I think for the next few years, we will still see an evolutionary approach. Mm. Um, I think there is so much room for incremental improvements on one hand, as well as so much, um, you know, still, uh, um, you know, to make something truly revolutionary with open source, um, you need, you know, to, to have been around the block a couple of times when it comes to, you know, open sourcing a project, properly funding it, and really building an ecosystem behind it. And so I would argue that uh, the initial uh, um, you know, successes that we've had over the last few years have been largely uh, you know, evolutionary in nature because they come from either an internal contribution uh, uh, you know, of software that existed in, in one of our contributors, uh, whether a large financial institution or a tech vendor, um, but also, you know, do, um, I would say provide the new level of, uh, you know, adoption and contribution potential for existing standards. You know, we're more and more working with existing consortia in the industry to say, hey, look, you do have a great standard. You do have a great project out there but it's not getting the traction and the adoption that you want. Open source can be an amazing vehicle to really be ubiquitous and end up in everyone's desktop and be a no-brainer to be adopted. So I want to say that in the next three years, we'll see more evolutionary uh, uh, examples than necessary revolutionary. Having said that, I think, you know, uh, uh, we've, you know, um, we've, I think, largely made financial institutions comfortable with open source. Now it's the turn to, um, you know, really improve our fintechs, uh, 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 you know, really leverage open source for commercialization and, and really for making money. Uh, and the next step is going to be to be to bring in the regulators. Um, I think when we do have the regulators uh, involved and helping uh, in common open source implementations, as well as fintechs truly uh, making, you know, seeing the potential for, you know, uh, a Red Hat type of deal or a GitHub type of deal, uh, you know, wildly successful commercial open source companies, that's where I think you're going to start seeing even more revolutionary uh, changes. I do think open source has the potential to revolutionize this industry very much like it has done with, you know, cloud, uh, no SQL, blockchain. I mean, none of these technologies would exist without uh, core open source technologies. And so definitely uh, I see a revolution happening in the horizon, but I would argue that we still have a couple of years uh, of, you know, incremental changes showing 
uh, uh, concrete value of open source, you know, slotting, you know, I would say five, ten more wins uh, on the board, and then you start seeing uh, that revolution happening. I see. So it's going to be it's going to be slow and steady progress, but when those uh, when those points start being won, it's going to be a quick race to the top. You think? Absolutely. We need. I, I think we reach the cusp when it comes to financial institutions. I think we still need to reach the cusp with other players in the ecosystem, being the fintechs and certainly the regulators. Well, we'll be able to go into the regulators, I think, in a little bit more detail in a second. But uh, I'd like to keep a focus on technology, if I may. And of course. Aside, aside from open source, I think you mentioned cloud when we uh, when we were discussing something a little bit earlier. Yep. Um, is, is cloud something you also see is fairly crucial to executing your vision for Phenos? And if it is, what else are you augmenting that with? Well, so... Um... There's, there's a couple of ways of, of answering the question. Uh, one is, you know, as, as a foundation, as, you know, as far as our technology goes, we are, you know, as much as possible uh, cloud power. Um, mm. We barely host any software ourselves. Uh, as a lean organization and certainly as a non-regulated organization, um, you know, we had the luxury when we started four years ago, we made a purposeful choice of, look, we are a small team. Uh, 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 we, we partner with some of the you know, largest developer infrastructure providers of the world, you know, GitHub, GitLab, Red Hat, uh, CloudBees. There's you know, literally no reason for us to, to host that infrastructure. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, we made a pretty conscious choice at the very beginning. And this choice is one that, you know, has certainly paid in terms of agility for us in the first few years. And as we now join the Linux Foundation, you know, we are seeing a very similar approach there. Very much most of the uh, Linux Foundation infrastructure that we're going to integrate with is uh, absolutely, uh, you know, cloud, cloud and open source based. Um, when it comes, I think the most interesting part of the answer, though, is when it comes to um, you know how much we think cloud and open source are uh, you know really interrelated, deeply intertwined, uh, you know, in this in this broader uh, world of the quote-unquote digital transformation. I mean, I have, I have my issues with that word. Uh, uh, but, oh, really? Uh, That's interesting. What are those? I don't know. I feel like sometimes sometimes people just love to say they're doing the digital transformation. <laughs> um, and I wish it would be a little bit more concrete. But, but, but we, we can talk about that another time over a beer, I think. I, 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 I just think that, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, I think people sometimes uh, do miss how tied cloud and open source and the journeys that are associated with it are, are uh, from so many ways, from so many standpoints. Um, you know, the first and foremost is the cultural angle. Uh, you know, happy to talk about it more in detail, but there's very similar uh, uh, cultural aspects and need for change 
whether you are embarking into an open source journey where you want to contribute to an open source project out there and be strategic about it, or whether you are adopting quote unquote DevOps and, you know, there are so many principles behind DevOps and open source that are, you know, very much the same and are based and rooted in, in uh, open collaboration and are, you know, really fundamentally based on trusting others, uh, you know, that they're doing the right job. Uh, either trusting others or trusting the tools that would make sure that others are going to do the right job. Uh, that's certainly the, the, the first, I think, touch point between cloud and open source. But I think, again, people do sometimes forget that there will be no cloud or AWS as we know it if there wasn't you know, a virtualization project like Xen at the beginning or Linux itself. There mm. will be no, uh, no SQL or, or, you know, hyperscaling databases if there was, uh, you know, no MongoDB or CouchDB. There would be no big data if there was no Hadoop. And so, again, what I, what I think people sometimes, you know, uh, overlook is, um, look, the, the, the move to cloud oftentimes really comes by the realization that, hey, we don't need to, you know, spend time on hardware that is not a differentiating factor anymore. As long as we can check the right regulatory boxes, it definitely does make sense to go on a shared cloud infrastructure. Open source, it's very much the same. It's just one layer above. What we're mm. saying here is that there is a whole layer uh, in addition to the operating system and, and sort of core frameworks that are very much commoditized by now, you know, in the Linux Foundation or other open source foundation. There is a whole other layer that is finance specific, which it's non-differentiating, which we could all collaborate on. And that means, you know, common standards on how we represent data, uh, you know, potentially common regulatory implementations. These are all things that are whilst specific to this industry very much non-differentiating within the industry. And so it could be collaborated upon. And so that's what I, you know, we're seeing going back to the cloud. You know, the first example is our cloud service certification project. We are having several banks using open source to define controls for what it means, um, you know, to deploy in a regulated way to a public cloud. So again, one more example of how these two worlds, I think are heavily intertwined uh, and certainly, you know, the, the digital transformation is, um, you know, uh, uh, one of the initial strategic drivers that really brings people to the conversation with us. Uh, hey, in order to really be a digitally native company, you not only need to be able to go to cloud, but you also need to be able to do open source. Follow us at FintechMag to find out more information and let us know what you think of our podcasts. Well, I think it's an interesting aspect of uh, lean and agile thinking. That you, mm -hmm. need to, you need to have it because if you don't, um, the regulations are going to tie you up and you need to adopt that, that kind of mindset of need to watch, but I also can't wait. I need to be actioning things, but I also need to, you know, accommodate the changes which come later on. So Absolutely. So um, do, you have, do you have anything further to add, Gab, um, with regards to RegTech companies and how they'll have a crucial role in reforming finance going forward? Well, absolutely. And, and thank you for asking. Um, you know, I'll, 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 uh, I'll start with a, a little bit of an umbrella here. But 
Um, you know, look, when you think about um, open source, uh, did I mention that I work in open source? When you come from this background, um, you know, uh, um, you realize that uh, the best areas that really allow you to, as I said before, align drivers within, within an organization and across organizations that are certainly often competitive, um, and that allow you to really line up uh, you know, business strategy, uh, their technology strategy, their cultural change, and of course, you know, risk and compliance people, legal folks uh, being on board. The best way of doing that is when you're clearly able to identify a piece of technology that A, has common broad requirements across the industry. So if, you know, say a project is built in the open to solve and cater for those requirements, well, that has broad applicability widely in the industry and you know, can help several folks out there. Well, that's, that's going to give you, uh, you know, the firepower, the, the, the contributors that you need to, to get that project going. Um, the, the second requirement, so not only has to be a common requirement, but ideally it's non-competitive. Um, you know, we work in the open typically on non-competitive, you know, broad pieces of software that really deliver, uh, uh, you know, to the broadest possible uh, audience in our, in our uh, ecosystem. And so when I think about those two requirements, again, requirements that, are, that apply to everyone and that are non-differentiating, you know, uh, regulation and regulatory implementation and reg tech, was certainly something that uh, uh, very much since the, the beginning of our foundation, we looked at and said, look, is there a way that open source can you know, provide a third way in the constant struggle between regulation and deregulation? Is there a way that open source can actually be a way to make regulation more efficient? I mean, I happen to personally think regulation is absolutely important and despite you know costs uh, regulatory implementation costs have, have raised drastically in the last you know 12 years since since 2008 crisis um you know it does make for a better stable uh, uh ecosystem uh for everyone and so we think that open source can actually provide uh, uh, a way to make that process both the enforcement and the implementation more efficient, and hopefully at a certain point, uh, um, you know, even the production of regulation could be, uh, you know, machine readable, fully digitized, and done in an open source way. So that is where we have recently announced and started our open source financial regulation initiative, um, which really entails building a awareness amongst regulators that you know, we have a very innovative group of banks and, you know, increasingly fintechs and regtech firms who would like to, who are self-organizing to really, uh, uh, you know, 
neutralize the cost of regulatory implementation. And so this is a huge opportunity for regulators to come in early and help us shape uh, not only how this process works, but also help us bless, uh, you know, uh, if not bless, uh, that's a strong word, but at least uh, advise and validate what we're doing. Because, you know, in the end, there is an inherent benefit back for regulators, uh, uh, you know, to have a more streamlined, uh, open source based, uh, you know, with the whole access to talent that comes with it. Uh, um, and, you know, I gotta say, we've had some really positive response, especially from some of the, you know, more uh, uh, modern, if you say, or more recent regulators. Uh, I'm thinking about the CFPB here in the US or the FCA in the UK. Uh, we're certainly looking at opportunities around open banking. Uh, and how open source can play a role there. But going back to your, uh, uh, you know, specific question around, you know, reg tech companies, um, look, very much like fintechs, we think uh, uh, we, we see ourselves a, as a level playing field. Um, you know, we are certainly backed by some of the largest financial institution in the world. But as I said before, everyone is welcome to contribute and participate to our community. I think what's missing here is um, sort of along the lines of what I, what I mentioned before is very much like for fintechs, I think there is still some inroads to do for reg tech companies to understand how can they monetize open source. Um, we are working with a couple of companies who are, I would say, open source native in, in that space. Uh, you know, big, big friend of the foundation is is Matthew Van Buskirk from from Hummingbird. I just want to throw a plug here for him as he's been <laughs> a huge proponent uh, of of open source uh, reg tech. So we might, you know, see something starting soon there. Um, but you know, I think what's still missing there is the commercial aspects. How can how can how can we collaborate in the open on the regulatory requirements, regulatory implementations, whilst, uh, uh, you know, as a commercial entity, you can take that, package it, and monetize it, and monetize it, uh, you know, for example, as a software, as a service offering. Um, I think, again, I, I might be biased, but I've been born and bred in this, in this world, and I think there is a huge opportunity uh, to a, you know, work on the core technology and implementations with the unique transparency that open source collaboration provides. And this is something that I think regulators would very much appreciate. Uh, but on the other hand, it's very possible to make, I think, a huge amount of money by taking these technologies and, and delivering them in cloud. So I think that's where, um, I think there is a major opportunity for tech companies, and I would like to see more of them join us uh, mm. in our open source financial regulation initiative. Now, at the time that I was researching Finos, um, I read that you were engaged with over 113 projects and working groups. I mean, I'm sure. Yes. I'm sure that in the intervening weeks, that that's probably shot up to 200 or something. But uh, I'm wondering if you'd be able to discuss any of these in detail with me, um, particularly the objectives that they're trying to achieve. Of course. That's that's the beauty of open source. There's no there's no there's no NDAs involved here. It's wide open, uh, folks. 
Yes, exactly. And, and you know, I got to say, it took a while for me to be able to just say that out loud. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, I think we are in, in a moment of history where, where transparency is, is, you know, more important than ever. Mm. Um, and uh, look, we have, um, as you say, over 100 projects. We do, you know, use a pretty standard concept in open source communities, which is what's called the project life cycle. So our projects goes go through, you know, different stages really of maturity. Um, so we have, I think over 50 uh, between in, what we call incubating and, and active projects, incubating being really the initial stage uh, that you enter the foundation in and sort of find your foot as a, as a project and as a community. And then, you know, you graduate into an active project as, you know, you become, uh, uh, you know, a proven solution for the industry, really, with a lively community behind it. And so mm. I'm going to mention, you know, a couple of projects. It's going to be, I think, I think it's going to be hard to, to go through the, the whole 113. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, Maybe I the director's cut of the podcast. Exactly. I'll give you, maybe we can do another episode on that one. But uh, uh, I, as you can see, I can certainly talk. Um, but uh, I'll give you a couple of examples which I think are, you know, indicative of, of the type of projects that can be done and are being done in the open in this industry. And hopefully that can be, you know, food for thoughts and, and get some creative uh, juices flowing uh, in your audience that, you know, as I said, everyone is welcome to participate and contribute to our community. This is a, a fully open source community. And so I think the first example is uh, um, FDC3. Um, FDC3, uh, acronym for uh, Financial Desktop Connectivity and Collaboration Consortium, uh, was probably one of the first projects that we started uh, since we became Finos in 2018, it was originally developed by one of our members, OpenFin, and it's a standard to really enable uh, uh, seamless interoperability between, uh, you know, we say traders' desktop applications, but truly is, you know, any desktop applications. Uh, um, and of course, you know, this industry and especially the investment bank inside of the house does. Uh, a lot of, uh, uh, um, you know, it's very much desktop centric. And so this technology has really helped to harmonize the ecosystem between vendors and financial institutions, whereby applications can now, you know, very seamlessly collaborate with each other and create, uh, um, you know, harmonized workflows uh, within those departments and across departments and potentially across uh, financial institutions. Um, this standard is now at its 1.1 version, it has, you know, reference implementation, developer tools and samples. It's been adopted in an increasing amount of uh, financial institutions and implemented by several uh, 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 fintech vendors. Um, we think that really has uh, shown the light on the opportunity for collaboration. Um, and we think, you know, the genesis is also interesting. It was started as a, as a project, as a vendor-led project. It was brought into the foundation 
to become a truly impartial, independent standard. And that's something that I think sometimes people overlook. As I said before, it doesn't just take to throw a project on GitHub to make it a successful open source project. I think mm. Finos has played a key role in helping FTC3 succeed, not only through our community management, our promotion, but also with the open source expertise uh, that we were able to inject uh, and help this project grow. Um, a second example, um, you know, more along the lines of, you know, software that originates from a financial institution rather than a fintech. Um, mm -hmm. It's our Alloy project. Uh, you might have uh, heard the announcement last year. We made some pretty big news uh, um, in November with Goldman announcing the contribution of their Alloy logical modeling platform and the underlying pure programming language that they built over the years. Uh, they announced their contribution to Finos last year in November. And, you know, since then, uh, we have received such an overwhelming amount of interest from banks, fintechs, to really wanting to get in on the action here. And the reason is, you know, not only Goldman is, of course, you know, one of the most technology advanced uh, um, financial institutions that we work with, but this was a piece of software that they used through and through the organization that they use for any type of modeling, uh, uh, whether that's you know pricing models, whether that's regulatory reporting. It is an amazingly powerful framework with a whole visual editing environment. Um, you know, years and years of of you know intellectual property from Google. Um, the reason why I mentioned this project is that you know not only. Uh, uh, you know, it is a huge amount of intellectual property that is brought in the foundation, and it's something that Goldman is going to maintain open source first. Um, so they're going to build and develop in Finos and then consume the output of that in their production environments, back to, you know, the importance of contributing upstream. Um, but the second, uh, I think, important aspect here um, was that Finos actually has now hosted uh, uh, an Alloy instance, which we are offering for now to our members. And starting September, when the software will be fully open source, we're going to start offering it to the whole community. But we realized over the year the power of Finos not just hosting you know, code, uh, but the power of hosting an actual you know, runtime where people can come in and collaborate and model. You know, we've had at least five efforts uh, organically start uh, on this alloy pilot, whereby, you know, the business lines, not the technical folks, the business lines in different financial institutions will come together to solve a concrete business problems almost without the need of you know technical interaction such as you know the power of the, the alloy platform and look that allowed these firms to you know make some changes to the is the common domain model and push it back into uh, uh the main line um folks started coalescing around building common commodity reference data 
point being here, we realize the power of not just having the code out there and you know growing a technology centric uh, uh, open successful open source project, but we realize the value of hosting a piece of software where people can directly collaborate on, even if they're not technical. And that goes to the dual nature of, of our foundation. We are one of the few vertical specific open source foundation. We are just focused on financial services. And so for that, we do need to deliver direct value back, not just to the technology organization, but directly to the business, the financial services challenges that are so long overdue to solve. And so I think Alloy really does go a long way in that direction. Um, and then finally, uh, we sort of touched on it, uh, but it's our cloud service certification project, uh, originally contributed by JP Morgan. Um, it's really the idea of building a truly open source, uh, uh, you know, set of tests and controls uh, to prove uh, a public cloud uh, service deployment. Um, you know, as you said, everyone is going through the digital transformation. Everyone is a different degrees of, of sort of maturity in the journey. But the regulatory constraints that are behind that process fully applies to everyone in the industry. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be collaborating on it. Now, we know full well that there are several initiatives out there trying to standardize what does it mean and what does it take to deploy on a public cloud in a regulated industry. And so that's why we're actually, you know, in the spirit of our foundation, we're not acting as a silo here. We're looking at existing initiatives whereby we can be the open source implementation partner and make sure that any standard that is built is thoroughly adopted, uh, you know, in a way, in the way that open source enables uh, adoption. Um, and so again, Cloud service certification, I wanted to bring it up because we are seeing increased momentum there. We think it really does strike uh, uh, you know, the goal of accelerating the digital transformation uh, of this industry. And it certainly does give us uh, a really great uh, example of what we can do on the regulatory side of the house and certainly on the cloud side of the house. Gab, you've given us some great background on the Phenos and some wonderful details on the kind of the latest things that are happening in open source right now. I wonder if for a final question, you could just uh, please advise perhaps our listeners what they can do in order to incorporate open source software and capture growth opportunities in their own business. Um, I would say there are two, two suggestions, um, actually three. Um, each one, you know, in, in, in each of the dimensions that I think are critical to uh, achieve uh, what we call open source readiness. Um, the first one is on the sort of business strategy. Um, we touched on this before, but now more than ever, um, you know, in these pretty crazy turbulent times that we're living in, do reevaluate your business. Do take some time to evaluate if you are a technology centric organization, 
what is the value that you're pro providing to your customers? Um, you know, the open source business model itself has evolved drastically in the last 20 years uh, with SaaS providing a much easier way to monetize open source software. And so have a deep, hard look at, um, you know, your software and how you deliver value to your customer and make sure that you redraw the value line. What is, you know, anything above this value line is your secret sauce, it's your differentiator. Anything below this value line, it's basically commodity nowadays. Mm. So you should be looking at collaborating with others and mutualizing the cost of building and maintaining that commodity. I mean, every single cloud provider did that or SaaS provider did that. You know, Facebook open source Cassandra, Yahoo uh, uh, open source Hadoop. Uh, you know, each one of these big SaaS vendors or, or, or consumer or enterprise vendors, they don't maintain their own sort of plumbing on their own. They do use open source and they collaborate in the open. So I think from a business strategy standpoint is take a deep hard look at your business and try to understand how much of the technology that you build is actually differentiating. My guess is that you'll end up between five and 10% and that the remaining 90% is actually plumbing and you should truly look at uh, uh, mutualizing that. Then from a, uh, you know, legal standpoint, second big example <laughs> or sort of second big dimension of, of what it takes to digitally transform and what it takes to really be open source ready. Um, become your friend, <laughs> you know, make the lawyers and the risk people become your friend. They're not working against you. They're working with you to protect the company. Mm. Um, and they sometimes just don't know. It's pretty mind blowing. I gotta say five years ago when I started, you know, this, this effort, you know, they'll think I was a, an open source hippie talking to them <laughs> about, you know, sharing, sharing their internal software with their competitors. It is a big, uh, uh, you know, change in mindset. And so understand and work with them to debunk several of these myths. There's plenty of materials out there um, showing how open source is safe, can provide better security, can you know uh, uh, provide more revenue streams to your firm. And so again, be be a friend <laughs> with your legal and compliance people. And then finally, you know the third fundamental pillar is is culture and and talent. Uh, if you haven't done that already, make sure you incorporate open source experience in your hiring process. Every single tech job description that should go out there should have, you know, uh, 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 a, you know a, a qualification, some type of qualification around open source experience. One simple way, just look at their GitHub profile. I would never hire any developer nowadays without a lively GitHub profile, without uh, you know, a lively proof of their open source engagement. That's their portfolio out there. There's no better way uh, to go out and see uh, you know, 
the skill set of a certain candidate. And so if you incorporate open source uh, in your job descriptions, well, that's how you drive, by and large, sort of that bottom-up culture change that needs to be married with a you know, top-down, if you want, business strategy vision around how open source can you know, help the next wave of your business. Does that make sense? It certainly does, Gab. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's uh, it's been such a pleasure, and I've had a real, I've had so much fun speaking with you. Um, is there anything else you have to say for our listeners before we end the podcast? Um, no, thank you so much, Will. It's been it's been a pleasure, and for everyone out there, I, I hope um, you know this was useful, and uh, we'd love to see you join and, and participate in our community it's open to everyone whether you're an individual or representing your company um, you know we think there is a huge opportunity here for everyone to participate so uh, thank you so much will and to everyone out there stay healthy and stay safe thank you to our listeners and thank you to gab take care thank you